Hey, this is Chad Russell, and that's Kurt Souter still. And we are going to do a bonus segment today. We love doing these because we don't have as much time restraint. When you're doing a radio program, and people who listen to the podcast have said, gosh, you know, it seems like you repeat yourself all the time. You have to remember, we do a radio show first. So when you do radio, it's different because no one listens to a radio show from beginning to end. It's they hear two minutes of it in the car. So we have to do it kind of segmented. But I really like doing this this podcast aspect of it. We can just have a conversation and just start mm-hmm. talking. And we're continuing a really great conversation we're having with Dr. Chuck Tackett. Uh, and he's with GoHardistry.com, G-O-H-E-A-R-T-I-S-T-R-Y.com. And we're talking about divorce proof in your marriage. And we just spent four segments talking about 10 positives and 10 negatives that he found through study, research study. And we're going to unpack those a little bit more. Chuck, talk to, uh, let's just jump into the four heart types again right. and just uh, mm-hmm. describe that in more detail. Yeah. What we found when we interviewed our couples is we did the standard research interview that's out there that any, every major researcher really uses. It's called the oral history interview. And that typically is, is you just sit down with a couple and you have them tell you the story of their relationship. And you don't get into, into anything controversial or anything negative. You just help them tell their own personal marital story. And so you're listening to do they take their story negative? Do they take their story positive? How do they interact with one another when they tell their story? So that's what you're looking mm. for. So you're, you're getting them just to simply tell their story. Well, we use that. In my research, we use the oral history interview also. It's a standard research interview. And what we found is when we interviewed our 125 Christian couples, we found that they broke down into four basic heart types. And as we noted on the program, 80% of our couples broke down into being basically sin-based in their communication styles. Okay. So those were the reactives and the disengagers. So the reactives blew up the marital relationship. They got too angry too often in the interview. Even in the the interview, they're getting angry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not that they're yelling and screaming at one another. It would be, okay, the wife says something and the husband doesn't like what she said. And he goes, he he turns, rolls his eyes. Rolls his eyes, turns his head away. That's anger. Got it. Okay. Or he would smile in a certain way. And in, in Dr. Gottman's research, uh, there's this actual smile that they call the hate smile. Okay? So to scare you guys out there, our facial muscles are hardwired to the emotional system in our brains. So whenever we feel something emotionally in the brain, it comes out on the face. It just does. And so when you know what facial muscles move in accordance with what emotion a person is feeling, then you don't need to hear anything. You can just look at the face, and the face will tell you, the facial muscles movement will tell you the exact emotion a person's feeling at a given point in time. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, the researcher that discovered all of that information is a guy by the name of Paul Ekman. And if you guys have ever seen the show, it's been off for a number of years now, called Lie to Me. It was on the Fox Network. That show, Lie to Me, was loosely based on Paul Ekman's life. Well, Ekman has spent 35 to 40 years of his research life determining what facial expressions, what emotions we feel, and how they come out, how they're displayed on the face. Well, so you come to understand. So it's really easy to, to determine when someone's angry, even if they don't say something. But So with this hate smile, it's not a kind of a smile that you can do you know, without feeling the hate, without feeling really intense anger, all right? Uh, and the actual technical name of it is the AU14 AU smile, AU13 smile. And that is, 
AU means action unit in the research lingo, okay? And it's just basically you see at the corner of each mouth or at the corner of your mouth, each side, you see a little dimple begin to kind of set in place. And that little dimple tells you the person is really rip-snorting angry at their spouse. Wow, even though they're smiling. Even though they're smiling. That's why it's called the hate smile. It means they're really, really angry at their spouse. And, and so, so in the research, you're picking up all this stuff. They're, they're, oh, yeah. they're just sharing their story, how they met, how they <laughs> fell in love, and they're, but there's dissension, there's hatred, there's oh, yeah. uh, all yeah. these negative, destructive yeah. patterns. Yeah. So, so we found that for, the, for those couples who did four or fewer of the godliness characteristics and seven or more of the sin characteristics, they broke down into either being the reactive or the disengager. And the reactives, again, they blew up the relationship with their anger. They would just fire their anger off at regular intervals towards towards their spouse. Okay, so g- give me an, another example. They, they, they kind of gruff, like, you know, make a comment right. like that and roll their eyes. What's another thing that they would do? Well, they, they could just say, that never happened that way. Mm. Or, Come on. Those are both expressions of anger. Yeah. Okay. And they're deteriorating. They're eroding the the marriage. Right. Wow. Yeah. Again, as we as we uh, said in the radio program, you can be angry. You just have to be able to state your anger in a way where you can actually use your anger to connect with your spouse. So so when she's telling the story uh, about how we fell in love, mm-hmm. and you disagree with that, you would say, "Well, honey, now now remember." Or uh, describe... Well, typically it would be like, well, I don't remember it that way. That didn't happen that way. Oh, come on. Well, he's not yelling. He's not screaming. Okay? But he's clearly communicating. When you read the facial muscles with comments like that, Mm -hmm. you can really see the guy is angry. Hmm. He just isn't blasting her blatantly at that point in time. He's not rolling his eyes. Well, that's another way to express contempt, which is a form of anger. Okay. Yeah, so if you catch yourself rolling your eyes, oh, just say, okay, I'm angry. All right? Wow. We don't roll our eyes unless we feel intense anger. We just don't as human beings. Why is this a bigger problem for men than women? Or is it? Is that just a perception? Oh, I think women can get just as angry as men. It's just culturally they're taught not to, not to express that anger in such a blatant way. You know, but as, as men, we're taught, when we grew up going to man school, we're taught there's no problem at all if you want to get angry. Get as angry as you want to get. Okay? Especially if you're feeling upset and you might be, feel a little bit anxious. Well, don't get anxious. Get angry. So take any troubling emotion you have and mm-hmm. convert it immediately into anger and display your anger. Mm. And we're just, as men, we're just more comfortable with that. Mm. Most of us, in essence, are much much more comfortable with that. You know, and if you grow up like I did around anger all every single day, you grow extremely comfortable with it. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you grew up with it and you yeah. addressed it and it really realized it in your marriage. What right. were some of the steps you took to say, you know what, I have some control over this side of my of my anger of what I need to do? What were some steps you took personally? Well, for, for me personally, Chad, it was just it just as I was noting in the program, just watching that guy in, in on tape in Dr. Gottman's research lab, and I thought, man, that is exactly me. That's how I talk. That's my tonal qualities. You know, and this is just wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, you had a Holy Spirit moment. Oh, almost. yeah. Yeah. 
Like, wow, this is and me. It, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and so and that's why I can't, you know, went home that night, caught the bus ride home and, and, you know, just confessed it to Kim. And, and I'm just thankful she was very, very forgiving. Were there any other practical things that you said, okay, I need to do these things? Or was that kind of the big turning point? And I was just a big turning point. Chad, for me, it was seeing it and hearing it. You know, because we're not used to slowing down enough and and hearing what we're saying and how we're saying it. Right. It's hard for us to do as individuals is to actually hear what we're saying and how we're saying it. Okay? We don't typically do that. It's hard for us to do that as human beings. Right. But when we see that in somebody else, it's a little bit easier for us to spot. And that's why at GoHardistry.com, that's why, you know, we use the methodology of show versus tell. We want you to see what it sounds like. We want you to hear what it sounds like. We want you to have a visual auditory example of what it sounds like. Because if you see it and hear it, you have a better chance of stopping the doggone thing. Yeah. As well as if you see and hear what the godliness characteristics look like, you got a better chance of doing that. So, okay, so uh, let's continue to unpack those four hearts. Yeah, the example is, so when we found with the reactives and with the disengagers, okay, 40% of the individuals, couples we interviewed, so that 40% of the husbands, 40% of the wives um, were reactive, 40% were disengagers. 15% were growers. That means they did seven or more of the godliness characteristics and four or fewer of the sin characteristics. And only 5% of the couples we interviewed, we call them the devoteds, did all 10 of the godliness characteristics and none of the 10 sin characteristics in an hour and 15-minute research interview. Now, I know that's hard for people to believe, but once you get a good marital relationship going, in a sense, you kind of get spiritually, uh, this isn't a normal spiritual word, greedy for it mm. you like it so much you enjoy it so much you just, when you're tempted to do something negative or say something negative you just let's say well, you just you begin to think wait a minute now what we have going today is really good i really love this this is really enjoyable it honors god ah, there's a part of me where i just want to kind of blast her right now okay let me see let me run it through my mind okay i'm going to blast her right now what's that going to get me I call it being intelligently selfish. If I blast my wife, what's that going to get me today? Or over the next several days or so, or weeks, what's it going to get me? Nothing but pain. So why in the world would I want to do that? Plus, I understand what I can say to get my frustration out. So why in the world would I want to blast her right now? So, so you slow down and you begin to think through how to manage that situation. But see, you got to have examples to be able to see those things, hear those things, to be able to know what they're like. If you don't have the examples, good luck figuring so, them out. And that's the power of your ministry. Oh, yeah. And, and just yeah. go and being able to watch. Right. Can, can you d- describe a little bit, though, of, mm-hmm. of, a, a, of just really healthy, even, uh, even if there's – because everybody's got conflict – yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's it's well, except for those who are delusional. <laughs> <laughs> so so take us through. I'm I'm having conflict with my wife, but how do I how do I do that? Can you describe it a little bit kind of in a raw way yeah. of 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 health that's gonna that's gonna be the the yeah the, okay the, let's, the let's healthy qualities. Let's create this visual image then to help understand that. Okay. Yep. It's a great question. Um, 
imagine, well, in my trips to New York City, um, I love going to New York. Uh, I've had the privilege of preaching in Harlem now four times at Bethel Gospel Assembly, which is an absolutely fantastic church in Harlem. I uh, love being there. Their, their Bishop Carlton Brown is a fantastic believer, one of the most spiritual, most brilliant people I've ever had the privilege to meet in my life. I mean, what he reads, if you saw his bookshelf, you would say, okay, this guy's got to have a PhD. I mean, he just, very, very brilliant guy. So love being there. Um, but let's say I'm going to the corner the, the corner bakery. And at the corner break bakery, they fix this, they, they bake this perfect Kaiser roll. And a great Kaiser roll will have a hard outside shell and it will have kind of a, a, soft, a soft bread portion in the middle of it. And you need a very special knife to cut a Kaiser roll well, because if you don't have a very special knife, you get little dough balls inside the Kaiser roll. Now imagine I go to the corner bakery in New York and um, I order a Kaiser roll and I have them put Limburger cheese and an old leathery piece of liver in, in between the two halves of it. Now I don't know about you guys. You guys like Limburger cheese? No. No. No, I don't either, okay? Do you get you guys like liver? No. No. Not really. Not so My much. mom once a month would fix liver and onions. And I would say, Mom, if you don't mind, I'd rather go hungry tonight. I just couldn't eat it. And so eventually they would let me have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I would eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that night because I just couldn't. I, I hate the smell of it even to this day. It's a traumatic memory for me. Okay. <laughs> so, so imagine I take this old leathery piece of liver and this Limburger cheese and I put it in between the two halves of this beautiful Kaiser roll. Absolutely delicious Kaiser roll in and of itself. That's the image here. So what you do is you start off with the top half of, the, top half, <clears throat> excuse me, of that Kaiser roll. You start with a positive. You start with a positive. You start with an affirmation, and you state that affirmation directly to your wife. Something like, honey, I love you. Honey, I am thankful for you. Just clear declaration. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then you say a key phrase, at the same time. Honey, I'm frustrated or I'm angry. You said you would do this, and honey, you didn't. And I just find myself feeling frustrated and feeling angry. Now, honey, don't worry about that terribly. I'll work through that in myself. But it means the world to me, honey, when, when you say you're going to do something. It means the world to me when you do it. So, baby, if you would, please, please do that the next time. Now, honey, I want you to know I love you, and I'm thankful for you. What can I do for you tonight? That is a very powerful confrontation. Confrontation in the middle, the leathery piece of liver and the Limburger cheese. <laughs> Two halves with a positive, I call that the sandwich method of communication. If you're going to confront, you want to confront in that way. But you're going to just load it up with encouragement, affirmation, yeah. with honor, with right. love and dignity. She and made a mistake. She didn't shoot the Pope. All right? <laughs> she didn't violate some hideous moral sin in that situation. And even if she did, you still don't have to respond to her in that way. <laughs> now, guys, I'll tell you, I've, I've worked with couples, over 600 couples since I started practice here, here in town a long time ago. Um, I've only had 18 of those around 600 couples. I've only had 18 couples divorce. And I've had couples that have dealt with horrendous things. Um, multiple affairs by one or by both 
children born out of wedlock to the person they had the affair with, and now the, the offended spouse is participating in the raising of the child of the affair? You want to talk about tough? Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's incredible. Eight, only 18 couples of 600. Yeah. That's, in, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Because they're coming to you not, well, because, not because they're all doing Part of it, I have a little bit of a reputation in the community. If, if you want a divorce, don't go see Dr. Tackett. So that helps too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I will tell couples, if you want a divorce, I don't, I'm not going to work with you. I don't do divorce counseling. I only have a limited number of hours in the week that I can communicate or I can dedicate to this. And so, you know, if you want to get divorced, go see somebody else. There are dozens and dozens or really a couple hundred counselors in town who will help you divorce. But I'm not into divorce. I don't think divorce honors God. I'm not a part of tearing asunder what God had brought together. Mm. I don't do that. Okay? That's good. Okay, so um, let's talk about the... uh, um, the, that, the number three. The, the, the mm-hmm. first negative, again, is? The two dominant negatives we do would be the sin uh, of fits of rage or anger, and that's destructively expressing our anger. The second most common sin that we do is the sin of undiscerning, that's just not paying attention. The third most common is discord, that is having a contentious disposition. So, um, describe that. Um, uh, uh, Why are you I, looking at me that way, Kurt? <laughs> <laughs> that there's that spirit. That's a contentious. So, so you, when you were interviewing all these couples, right. you would you would see that regularly. Oh yeah, all the time. See, we have to understand it's what destroys our marriages are the little sins we do at high frequencies. All right, that's what destroys our marriages. So the revolutionary thing that we've done is we can tell you, we can show you what those little sins look like and sound like. And, and as, the, as you will see with, on the site with my video commentary, you will get exactly why that specific thing is a destructive sin. We'll give you a definition of it. You'll have a video example of it. And I, I'm not joking. Watch the video example a hundred times if you need to. Okay. Because you've got to dig in and really see what those examples look like to get them out of your lives. That's um... Now, one of the curious things that we found is that the reactives and the disengagers had different sin cycles. Reactives don't sin the same way that disengagers sin. Mm. Okay, describe that. Okay. Reactives will tend to go towards, strongly go towards, they'll lead off with anger. Then they'll go towards discord most of the time. Then they'll typically go towards the sin of division, which is I see myself as being separate from you, distinct from you. I won't see myself first as being in a connection with you. And so then they've got two or three other ones that, 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 that accompany that. Now, the disengager starts with the sin of undiscerning. They simply don't pay attention mm. at a high enough frequency. And then they, they have two accompanying sins, which would in essence be the sin of what we call detached heart, and then detached mind, or the sin of heartlessness and faithlessness. Mm. Okay, so we not only discovered the sins or uncovered the sins, we, un- we uncovered the, d- the two distinct destructive cycles. Now, th- a third huge thing that we uncovered is, well, you're doing these sins. Are you going to be stuck doing these sins the rest of your doggone marriage? But what we found as we interviewed the couples is there were a number of couples who would do these sins and immediately correct the sin. 
in a sense, do the godliness antidote. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And so we discovered what were the antidotes to each one of those sins. And from those antidotes, we were able to construct the godliness cycle that they would use to offset when they did the sins. So they would, they would sin. They would have this, this communication style, this destructive pattern. Right. They would catch themselves. Yeah. And, and, and then they would do well, Not the, all of them, but what? enough of them caught themselves and said, hey, I don't want to do that. I, I want to, I, and they would, they would turn it around right. and do the positive. Right. Wow. That's so we, so we can show you, you will see and hear what the sin characteristics look like and what the godliness characteristics look like. Because I don't, I mean, Kurt, I, I know you grew up in a, a godly home. I didn't. I came to faith in Christ as a 19 year old. You know, my parents stayed married until my dad passed a number of years ago. But the cold hard reality is I didn't grow up in a godly home. And I'm not joking. My dad's drug of choice was his anger. And I was the one it went towards most of the time. I mean, probably not about 90% of the time, I would say. So I learned to weather that. How do you manage that? How do you deal with that stuff? You know. Mm. Um, so I didn't really grow up seeing what a, what a... I saw a stable marital relationship, but I didn't see a great marital relationship. But I had some of my dad's brothers and sisters who had absolutely fantastic marital relationships. And two of those couples were believers. Okay, I got to see my dad's uh, my dad's mom and um, step grandfather, my dad's stepdad, um, and and man, they loved one another. They weren't mm. believers, but they were crazy about one another. And they lived about a half mile away from us growing up. Um, and I would get on my bike. I could do it anytime I wanted to. Just get on my bike, and I would ride up to their house. And as I as I got within maybe a third of a mile from their house, most of the days. I would actually hear Nat King Cole playing on their record player. <laughs> and I would knock on the door, and Grandma would say, come on in, Chuck. And she knew it was me. She said, come on in, Chuck. And so I would come in, and she would be snuggled up on the sofa with her husband. And they would just be loving one another. They'd just be talking to one another, listening to Nat King Cole. And I can't hear Nat King Cole without thinking about them, okay? <laughs> wow. You know? And so I got to see what really good marital connections felt like, what they looked like, what they sounded like, okay? And even though it took me a while to get, get full control of my anger, the cold hard reality is I, I saw the positives. I saw what they looked like. And that's really what we're in. Yeah. If you take that to what was a real passion of mine is the next generations. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. when, when we can model yeah. these 10 characteristics. But see, we, if we don't know what they look and sound like, we cannot model them. And if you grew up like I grew up, you don't know what they look like, you don't know what they sound like, and you're stuck. Mm. And we've done a disservice within most churches for, the, for our couples. Okay? We've not, we've not really shown them what these sins look like and sound like. We've not, because if you haven't seen it, you're not going to be able to stop it. Yeah. Now, we've given you good theology, good principles that you need to abide by. And that has worked well for 20% of the couples. It's worked well for the devoteds. It's worked well for the growers. But it hadn't worked for 80% of our couples. That's incredible. Mm. So 80% of our couples are at risk for divorce. And that's a travesty. Because they are in a pattern of continually living in a sin, oh, uh, yeah. destructive uh, communication pattern. Oh, yeah. A sin-based communication pattern. 
So what in the world are they going to do? If they never had the example, what are they going to do? And so that's what we're doing at Go Hardestry. We're giving you those examples. Now you can learn what they look like, what they sound like. Now you can stop it. Now you can also learn what the doggone antidote is to that. Yeah. So So an example, the antidote to anger is submissive love. See, because in my anger, I'm focused on myself. I'm not focused on what's going on inside of you. I'm not really even thinking about you. I'm just processing what's going on inside of myself. So what's the the antidote is submissive love. I have to flip it over. I have to say, now I got I need to shut up here and I need to listen to you. I need to focus on you. I need to care more about you than I care about myself. Yeah, but she's wrong, Chuck. So what? <laughs> Do I want a horrible night? <laughs> yeah, well, keep blasting her with my anger. That's going to get me a horrible night. It might give me a horrible few weeks. If I'm going to act like the back end of a horse, nah, it's not going to be good. Okay? <laughs> you know, so, I, I, so I've got to catch that. But see, I have to have the example to catch it. Just what, simple, simple as that. What's the opposite of the sin of foolishness? Not being undiscerning. New opportunity, love. Mm. So really, the, the ten, the ten and ten are <clears throat> kind of mirrors to one another. They are exactly like the ten negatives. If you want to match up four for four, five for five, and it's right. not f- formalizing it, but basically, if you want to see where the opposite of the other one is, you look at the. It is a formula. It is okay. And so when so when you go to the site, you'll see actually you'll see the actual cycle. The, the sin cycle, and then you'll right below it, you'll see a picture of the godliness cycle. Mm. And when you go through the site, what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to, once you're a subscriber, you'll be able to click on each one of those and you'll get a video example of them. All right? And you'll get me giving you a, a video commentary of that situation. Hmm. That's good. And then you've, you've got some questions down below, or really there's a whole cycle or curriculum that you can go through to teach yourself not to do the sins and to teach yourself to do the godliness characteristics. And you can keep notes. So we have a section down below where you can write yourself notes. We give you two or three questions that you, little questions you can respond to. Are you improving on this today? Are you not improving on this today? What do you need to do different tomorrow? Ways where you can kind of grade yourself. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, finishing up, if, unless you've yeah. got something else, talk about the couple. There was one couple in that study yeah. that was head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah. The, the best couple that we interviewed in an hour and 15 minute interview did the 10 godliness characteristics 500 times in an hour and 15 minute interview. Now, if you're a researcher, that was awful to be able to code because you were what we call coding. You were measuring every second of the interview. What was the husband doing? What was the wife doing? What godliness trait were they doing on that specific second? So while she's talking, he's giving... Well, what this guy did is he actually adored his wife's voice. In the interview, he didn't really look at her very much. But he absolutely adored her voice, and so he would turn his ear towards her Mm. anytime she talked. And so if you didn't understand that he adored her voice, and she really had a pretty doggone good voice, but if you didn't understand that he adored her voice, you would think, well, he's being disrespectful. He's turning away from her. No, he wasn't. Because you would see him turn his head away and turn his ear toward her, and he'd start smiling. Mm. He didn't care what she was talking about. He just <laughs> loved her voice. <laughs> All right? Now, one of the curious things is that for this couple and for... All for the 5% of the couples we interviewed that were the devoteds, 
you know, we didn't ask about sex. There are no questions we ask about kids, about money, anything like that. We wanted to stay away from the controversial questions and just help them tell their story so that they could determine were they going to go in a sin direction or were they going to go in a godliness direction. We wanted them in a neutral format to be able to just naturally go whichever direction they wanted to go. All right? So the only couples who talked about their sex lives were the devoted, were the godly couples. Five percent. And this specific couple, the wife said, now you got to understand, she married her husband when she was 18. She graduated from high school a half a semester early so she could marry her husband. And she said in the interview, and then when she said this, he went beet red. He had a burr haircut. He went beet red. Okay? <laughs> and she said in the interview, if I had known how good sex was going to be, I would have married him earlier. <laughs> and he did. He just went beet red. Okay? <laughs> but he smiled. But he the, was happy. But the, the, the 5%, the devoted couples, right. they were the ones that talked about their sexuality, right. the, uh, their, their intimacy in, in the bedroom. Right. That's because powerful. because they were holistically intimate with one another. Yes. They just weren't trying to be intimate physically. They were intimate emotionally. They were intimate in their thought life. They were intimate relationally. They were intimate spiritually. Okay? They were holistically intimate with one another. So when you bring that kind of intimacy into the bedroom, it's going to be a pretty doggone good sex life. Mm. So they didn't display any of the sinful ten. None of the ten sin characteristics. Not one. Not one for one half a second. How, how would you explain that? Was this a couple that if you looked at them, you thought they've got it together or they're very spiritually, uh, uh, you know, on the ball? Yeah. Would you have guessed that by just when you just met them? It really, a great question, Chad. It, that really dawned on me when I had an opportunity to preach at their church on, on one occasion. And the way they were seated in the pew was beautiful. Oh, they bet. were plastered up against one another shoulder to shoulder in the pew. You you would find it hard to find any oxygen that existed between the two of them physically. <laughs> they were they were not an arm around one another. They were just plastered up against one another in the pew. Mm. They were crazy about one another. They were happy to be in God's house worshiping the Lord. Great music, great sermon. They were having a ball in God's house. That's and that translated to the bedroom. Describe that a little bit, because, I mean, you... It's, it's that holistic intimacy. It's being intimate in all areas of life. In, in the break, you talked about the, the power of spiritual connection right. leads to power in the bedroom. Right. Yeah. Well, you have to have regular conversations every day with one another about how is God at work in your life for you? How was God working in your life that day through you for someone else? You got to have that kind of a conversation with one another every single day. I mean, it's necessary to have that kind of conversation. If you do that over the weeks, months, and years, that's going to create a sense of spiritual intimacy between the two of you. And that, that deep, abiding sense of closeness with one another translates to you know to a great sex life mm. there we go well we could keep going on and on that's good stuff chuck wow. um, rich. so the, great really to be here today, it, it would be really worth anyone's while to take those 10 positives 10 negatives and do a real true assessment 
right. kind of looking at your life and saying, hey, look, look at these. T-. And and your website, the Go Hardistry, G-O-H-E-A-R-T-I-S-T-R-Y dot com, that helps you kind of navigate right. through those? Yeah. Right, it okay. does. Good. All right, well, again, thank you, Chuck. Chuck, thanks for coming in today. We could keep going on and on, and we uh, we just hope that you folks, uh, guys, that you'll listen to this, and you, you know it's going to be the real easy thing for you is to listen to this and move on to the next one. Don't. And so what we would encourage you to do, no, I'm not encouraging, I'm challenging you, man-to-man, is to do take this these 10 lists and sit down with a piece of paper, get by yourself, whatever it is, and do an honest assessment. And if you're really brave, let your wife do it and y'all trade them. <laughs> and look at one another and just talk. Just having the dialogue, Chuck, just starting the conversation yeah. has to lead somewhere good. It may take may be rough, mm-hmm. but if it leads to the where you want to go. Right? Well, and Chuck, I love mm-hmm. what you said. You challenged Chad and myself. Um, do do this radio show just mm-hmm. just listen to 10 15 minutes as a part of your quiet time and oh, shut yeah. and shut it off and and just go to the lord well guys that's that's what i do on the podcast so i i have you guys downloaded i only have three podcasts okay that i listen to and you're one of the three podcasts i listen to and so in the morning um sometimes i have my devotion in the morning sometimes i don't have it till the afternoon but i'll i'll sit there and i'll listen to one segment and I'll, and I'll just say, Lord, how are you speaking to me through that segment? What do you want me to learn about me in that segment? What do you want me to learn about who you are in that segment? Teach me this day. Hmm. That's good stuff. Well, listen, thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. This is just a bonus uh, podcast uh, segment. And uh, this is only for the podcast. So we appreciate if you want to s- send this and the whole uh, show to someone else, that'd be great. Uh, there's someone else who needs it, you need it, and someone else you know who needs it, a, a newly married couple, so newlyweds. and That'd be me. Yeah. Yeah. He's found out today, Kurt's <laughs> newlywed, <laughs> regardless of his age. So right. anyway, hey, we want to thank you for listening, and uh, again, pass this along, and, and we thank you for your support, your prayers, and thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio.